Welcome back to the Christian Call Center where Jesus is on the main line and we're online too. Celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are back with a panel discussion. Yes, we are. We have a few additional faces today, and we have one returning guest. So first off, welcome back, Symphony, to the call center. Hey, guys. <laughs> welcome back. And we also have two new faces. We have Takreem and Norris. Say hi. Woo! Hey y'all, welcome. Hi everyone, how are you doing? <laughs> awesome, so uh, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, I just wanna do a quick uh, mental health check-in. So if you guys can rate your uh, mental health uh, level on a scale of one to 10 um, overall for today and um, in general, what would you give your rating? 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. Yeah, um, I think today I'm feeling a solid 8.5, 9. I felt really productive this past week and today, so hopefully we can keep the streak going. Nice, I like it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think what about, I'm sorry. And what about overall, Norris? Overall, mm, I would say 8. I'd give myself an 8 right now. Okay, okay. Good job. Cool. Good. Yeah, I'd be right there with you, Norris. It's been a it's been a solid week, and overall, things have been on the up and up. Work, school, personal stuff, pretty solid overall. So for me today, I probably am going to do a six, just because today has just been like a really long day. Um, but overall, I'm like I'm pretty high. I say like an eight, nine. Today was just one of them things. <laughs> Understandable. Um, today for me, I would say six and a half. Um, it's been an okay day, and overall, I'll give myself an eight. You know, I've been feeling really good lately. Okay. Love that. Love that. Um, I'm gonna give today. Um. Honestly, today was pretty nice. I was off work today, so I'm going to give today an eight and a half. Um, overall, though, a seven. Because okay. my job just stresses me out way too much. I think that was an improvement for la from last episode, so we're here for it. We're here for it. Um, for me, I would say I'm going to give today between like a six and a half of us or in the seven. So like a 6.8 only because today was a work adventure y'all. And I had some, it, it was, yeah, it was a long story, but yeah, today was a 6.8. And then overall, I think I'm with you guys around like the 8.59 area. It's been a pretty good uh, past couple of weeks. So mental health has been great so far. 
It's all that oh. extra sunshine, I feel. Oh, we yeah, can rain. Because <laughs> last episode, I don't think my ratings were this high. So I feel like I'm doing better. Yeah. I, I think all our ratings were pretty low last episode, except maybe Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe was all the way. I think we had a 10, I think. I think, I think Joe and Julie were feeling pretty good. It was me and you that brought it down. It's okay, I think I was going to you, John. There's always room for improvement, guys. I was it's just okay. about to say that, you know. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's get into it, y'all. Uh, today we wanted to discuss everyone's personal mental health journey. As a disclaimer to each other and to all our listeners out there, this conversation might be triggering. So just be cautious as you listen to our guest stories. Um, so again, guys, welcome to the call center. Um, this is our, what, third panel? Second panel? Second panel, technically. Um, so it's nice to have people our age to talk mental health with. Um, so first and foremost, if y'all feel like disclosing, what uh, mental health disorders or issues do you guys deal with? So I guess I'll go first. Um, back in 2019, when I first started seeing my therapist, like literally at our first session, which I think is always going to be funny to me, she diagnosed me with adjustment disorder. And it's an emotional or behavioral reaction to stressful life events. Um, so like basically I don't handle change the best. I'm like big life changes, so like moving or breakups, et cetera. So stuff like that. And then some um, symptoms of it is like high anxiety, depression. Uh, I don't wanna say the norm, but I feel like those are pretty common, so yeah. Okay. Um, who's next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I think when I first saw a psychiatrist, I want to say back in like 2018, I was diagnosed with uh, severe depression and general anxiety. And um, from there, it kind of fell off. And I, you know, didn't do my due diligence and kind of keep up with, you know, seeing my doctor. And then as far as I want to say at the beginning of this year, I started to take my mental health a lot more seriously. And I've been seeing a therapist and my doctor and I still have severe depression and general anxiety disorder, but it's a lot more manageable now. Um, you know, really looking for getting help has really opened my eyes and how to deal with those kind of things, you know? Mm -hmm. Same here with the general anxiety disorder. And um, I think the first time I like went to a therapist, it was just like, kind of like, oh, you, you know, everyone's anxious, you're kind of exhibiting like normal things. And then I went to like a psychiatrist and they were like, no, this is actually pretty deeper. Um, and so I got diagnosed with like general anxiety disorder along with like major depression disorder I um I can't remember it's been so long it's been like six seven years since since that so um that's something I think I deal with on a daily basis now um but things have gotten a lot better since 
having therapy, meeting people um, who are supportive and stuff like that. So now I, I don't think I always recognize it, but there are definitely those days when when the depression is really bad. Um, okay. And Joe, Brandy, I don't know if y'all have. Yeah, I'll share. Um, so for me, I actually, the first time I went to therapy was in college. Um, I think it was my freshman year. I was just going through a lot. Um, and it was actually a friend of mine who was like, oh, they have counseling services on campus. You should definitely go. And he actually took me. Um, and I just remember feeling like super anxious and just like overwhelmed. And I thought I was going there um, specifically because I was dealing with like relationship problems or coming out of a relationship problem. Um, and from there, it kind of like turned into something completely different. Um, but it was like one of those things where at college, like, I think you only get like 12 free sessions or something like that. So it didn't last long. And then I ended up doing it a second time my senior year. That was more so when I started realizing that I actually had anxiety, um, never officially been diagnosed. Um, but that was only 12 sessions. So that didn't last long either. And I did it at the end of senior year too. So I don't even think I finished my 12 sessions. Um, and I'm back in therapy now. And so far it's been great. So yeah, possibly have anxiety. Who knows? It might just be, you know, overly emotional. I don't know. Um, for me, y'all, this is the first time I'm actually going to be talking about this. But anyway, um, three, four years ago, maybe, I had a breakdown. And I ended up um, talking to a doctor uh, who was in my denomination at the time. Um, and I was clinically diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, I talked to her for a while. She gave me medication. I really didn't improve with the medication. Kind of made my symptoms worse, to be honest. So I stopped taking it. Um, and I tried to navigate it on my own, but it's been an up and down roller coaster. Um, I'm going to start seeing a therapist again. I found a therapist to talk to or whatever. And I'm probably dealing with more than just depression and anxiety. The adjustment, emotional adjustment that Symphony says, I'm pretty sure I might have a little of that too. Because I do have, um, I do struggle with change as well. But who knows? We'll see what she says when I go talk to her. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. And I guess I'll round it off. Um, so... Sounds like I'm the only one in the room who hasn't been to a single therapy session yet. Um, however, comma, it's not because I don't think therapy is a good idea. I just haven't made that step yet. And I know I talked about that in the last episode, but I definitely want to make that step because I know there are some things that I probably could talk out and get to a firm conclusion as to what they're causing in my life. Um, but we'll get there. That's another bridge I have to cross. So that's where I am currently. Um, 
And then we all talked about pretty much everyone who, who mentioned where they learned their diagnosis was like, I went to therapy and they were like, okay, this is how you know what you got, which is great because it means you guys have good therapists, at least that they can recognize what was going on. So I guess we can skip right to the next question of what was your breaking point? Like what made you decide, okay, I got to go to therapy? Jesus. Who want to go first? Oh, God. I mean, how many breaking points can we have is the real question. Oh. I really thought Jesus was your answer. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, God told me, yeah, get it together. <laughs> he is on the main line, right? True. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go. For me, my breaking point, Um, at that point, I was going through a lot personally, in my family, um, school-wise, that was around the time that I didn't get into nursing school. Um, the, I'm pretty sure y'all familiar with that story. Um, so yeah, I had a lot going on. Um, and one day, I wouldn't say I snapped, but I had like a really bad anxiety or panic attack. And it kind of triggered something in me. Like I really, I couldn't breathe. Uh, I was screaming, crying, throwing stuff. Don't judge me, y'all. But um, that was the point where I realized I needed to speak with somebody ASAP to figure out what's going on and to get this under control. Like, my panic attacks had never gotten that bad. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, like, thinking of, you know, like our breaking points is it's so difficult because you don't realize how many breaking points you have until like you really sit and think about it or like talk it through with like your therapist or someone else because i mean i feel like i've been having breaking points for like forever but you just kind of brush them off as like it's normal when it never is it's never really normal you know what i mean like i think i've been dealing with like general depression and like uh, what would really be a breaking point for like years you know like there will be nights where i'll just sit in a spiral for like all night until the sun comes up or like driving and your thought and your mind goes somewhere else while you're doing like your day-to-day -day and like just not good thoughts and really like understanding and talking to somebody really helped me see like oh my god like it's been going on for so long and i think you just dismiss a lot of it as normal at some point you know like it's just your day-to-day -day life when and then when you talk to your therapist or you talk to your friend or you talk to you know somebody that you trust and they're like that's not normal i don't think you realize how much we think like what's going on in our lives are kind of normalized and you play off some various serious things as like okay or like in general when it never was so like for me i guess i have several but like i've always deal, dealt with like self-esteem issues or um you know general like ang like social anxiety things like that and then i remember like a few years ago i was driving to work and i was thinking to myself like what if i just don't make it to work like what if something just happens to me right now and it was like and that became a normal thought like every time i was driving to work or doing my day-to-day -day, like you know what if it just ended now and I didn't take it that serious. I was like, oh, everybody says stuff like that. But like, no, it's, it is serious. And then more recently, when I decided to actually like go into therapy and my mental health more seriously at the beginning of the year, I remember like, I was, I feel like I was just breaking down like 
for weeks on end, like couldn't sleep, you know, always depressed, can't talk to anybody. Like you always feel, have that choked up feeling. It was just getting to a point where it was overwhelming. And I was like, I, I can't live like this, you know, like I, it can't, this can't be normal forever. Like, is this what people deal with? And so it was at that point I was like, honestly, I was spiraling when I was like, I was spiraling really bad. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And so then in my spiral, I went online, found me a therapist, found some like general help forums and reddits and whatever about mental health. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. I can't do this anymore. And that's really, I think I got to my lowest point where I realized like, this is like too much to deal with. And that's why I started my mental health journey. I just want to like quickly say something about something that Norris said that I think is so important that a lot of people miss. Like, you're not wrong about people, you know, jokingly saying, oh, my God, like, I just want to die. You know what I mean? And I feel like that kind of almost to some people, maybe not everybody, but it almost like kind of desensitized it a little bit because I think that people often use that so much as a joke. And then there are people who are really saying these things and then they're like, oh, like they don't mean that. And they could honestly be screaming out for help and we're not paying attention because we kind of throw that word around so much sometimes that it just doesn't, it doesn't always register that this is a serious issue. Oh, I think 100%. I mean, for me, like, I joked about it, but I was, like, I think at some point, like, I was serious about it, but I kept saying it as a joke so many times yeah. that it became yeah. normal, you know? And then, so what I'm like, haha, for me is normal, or haha, like, this is my day-to-day, -day, whatever. People are like, um, are you sure, you know? No, like, for real. And I can I can speak on that for both you and Tickering, because, like, I've been around you guys. Like, y'all are my friends. So, like, I know you say this to me a lot, and I really be like, in the moment, like, I'll be laughing, but I'm really, like, side-eyeing you, like, do I have to worry about, like, you going home right now? Because, like, I don't know if you're serious or not. So, I mean, I think that's just important to, like, point out, like, you know, sometimes that's just a scary thought in the back of my head. From, from the outside looking in, as the person who's hearing it, it's like, when, when, how do I know I need to be concerned with friends who say these things, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say before we continue, um, I was looking up statistics because I'm all, I'm I'm a statistics guy. I like numbers. Um, there are six of us in this room right now, and according to statistics, at least one of us should be experiencing a mental or is experiencing a mental illness. So the fact that it's all six of us, <laughs> um, probably means that that number is probably not reported correctly. You got a good um, panel going. And then additionally, 41% of the Gen Z slash young millennial, which is like preteen to our age, is currently dealing with either anxiety, depression, or both. So that would be two of the six of us. <laughs> so just, just to throw that out there for people listening too. Yeah, that's such a great point that you brought up, John, because I, I want to also like recognize something that people don't think about when they think about like anxieties and trauma and like the state of the world of being really like key and how it's affected like our generation of folks. Um, we all grew up after like 9-11. And I know for a fact for me and my mental health, like 9-11 played a huge role because it directly affected me and my family. 
Mm -hmm. Um, My family is Muslim. And so for us, like growing up in in a world that was like actively traumatic for me and my community, and like for all of you, like on this call, like five out of like the four out of six of us, um, you all are black. So like, you know, the feeling of racial trauma and people forget that like that is actively always happening. And for all of us to like experience that, I'm not, I'm not surprised because we live in America. We live in a country where racial trauma is like just kind of the norm. And we don't think about how much it affects our anxieties and depression, all these different things. And so I really think it's an interesting statistic. And I also think it like plays into the idea that like mental health and thinking about your mental health is really like a white man's game. Like only white people can really take the time to think about it because they don't have to like actively fight for their life every day. So for all of us to like come to even any kind of realization is pretty, pretty major. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to like add on to that. I don't think, I think growing up, I never really thought of like race as a form of like, as a form of trauma. Right. And so me, I, I'm a, I'm a white man, you know, like for me, I never really understood my privilege until 9-11 happened. And then when 9-11 happened, like started the name calling, started like, you know, the racial slurs. And it's like, all of a sudden I felt like I was put into a space where I was, you know, I was like, what, like, is this normal? And then now that you look at like, you know, the current movement and like, you know, like the racial inequality in this country, I was like, people deal with this all the time. You know, like for me, it was just a quick introduction into it and how it like, it was a quick introduction I was thrown into it and like, it became like an identity now for me going forward, but I never really thought of it until then. So just adding to what Cream said, there is, you know, the racial divide in this country as well as like, you know, the trauma that comes with being, you know, being of color, being black in America, being, you know, whatever your identity is, those kind of things follow along with you and just only add to whatever it is you're going on, whatever's going on with you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're going to stick a pin in this conversation because I want to make sure everybody gets the chance to talk about their breaking points before we come back to that, because that's a big one, like race and mental health. So we're going to come back to that, but I don't want to miss everybody else's discussion of their quote unquote breaking point. So I can't remember who was next, but. Since I brought it up, I can go. Um, I think I had two really major breaking points for my for myself in my life when like I realized like oh I need I need some serious help. Um, it's probably like 2015. There was this moment of realization that like the people I was around, I don't think I like felt joy being around them. I felt like honestly, I felt so down all the time, so depressed, so like negative about myself, about like where I was in my life. Um, that like I really was just like, oh, I think everyone around me hates me. And I think it'd be better off if I was not here. And that like went on for a while, actually. And then um in the midst of all of, like those feelings, I had this really like dramatic falling out with my like friend group that I grew up with. Um and Janelle and Norris were there for the whole, a lot of this. 
Um, and in that like dramatic breakup, there was all this like division and within the friend group and then all these different people. And then this like paranoia I started to feel around my friends where I was like, oh, does this person hate me? Or like, are they actively looking to like get rid of me in their life? And I think that like went on for so long that I was like, no, I can't, I cannot live like this. I cannot keep thinking like this. Um, I was like not eating, not sleeping. I was losing so much weight that I was like really unhealthy. And I was like thinking really negative thoughts a lot of the time, which was really the opposite of who I was, or at least what people told me I was, which was like a really positive bubbly person. And so having that happen all the, like the aftermath and then being kind of just like sitting in it for a long time. Um, I knew I needed help and I was super lucky. Like I had Janelle who had gone, you know, to therapy before, like a, two years before and said, Hey, you should try this out. I had friends who like supported me and walked me there. Um, and I did it for six months. And so in that space, I was also like, still kind of like not great and then like my dad got really sick and when he got really sick I like took on all those anxieties they like kind of came back and it got worse and I think the second breaking point was when my dad was sick and he got back um it was like my last year of college I was about to graduate I was already feeling so much anxiety there and then um almost losing a parent in that way, it was really scary. And I had to go to the ER because I had so much anxiety built up in me that it was like manifesting physically. And I had to like be hospitalized almost to the point where like going to the ER was the only way to like physically remove the anxiety from my system. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, I I really cannot keep living like this. I had to go back into therapy. I had to like get an exception from the college to like see a therapist and then work with them to try to find like a another therapist because I didn't have any health insurance because, you know, therapy is expensive if you're not getting from college. So that was like one of those times where it was just like the worst of the worst things happening in my life. So many changes and having so much anxiety and so many of those changes like piling up one on top of the other, I felt like I was going to explode and going to Norris's point of like, I really was like, Oh, if I die right now, like, I don't even think I'm mad. I don't think anyone would be mad. I think it would just be like, okay. So for me, I went through this really traumatic, it wasn't a breakup because we were never together, Um, but it affected me really harshly. One day, um, me and my parents were sitting in our living room, just having a conversation. Um, And like, I kid you not, I just randomly burst into tears. And so my mom had somewhat known about the situation shit that I was in. Um, but my dad knew nothing, so he's just sitting here clueless, like, what the heck, what is she going through? So I remember just sitting in my mom's lap, just crying. I cried for, like, a good 45 minutes, and then, um, I, you know, I was just going to go back to regular life, like, you know, okay, had a breakdown, cool, let's keep it moving. And the next day, my mom was like, you know, I think you need to talk to somebody, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. 
Um, I can go. Um, like I said, I haven't been to a therapy session yet, but I've definitely had, I can say breaking points. Like Norris said, I feel like we push aside a lot of these things that are not normal because I think, I think honestly, as a generation, we're too used to trauma. And so when things happen, it's like, okay, we just keep it like Symphony literally just said, I, I had a breakdown, I'm gonna keep pushing. And so I remember, I want to say it was maybe 2014. Either, it was either 2014 or mid 2015. And I was just driving home from class one day. And I remember having this feeling of if I keep driving, if I swerve into another lane, if I swerve into oncoming traffic, what would happen? And I remember getting home that day and thinking about thinking about that and realizing that that wasn't okay, but again, pushing it to the side. And then I remember it kept happening, thinking things like that, thinking things like that over and over and over. And for a very long time, anything related to me being emotionally not okay, I just pushed underneath the surface. And I remember not necessarily having a therapy session, but I remember um, in 2019, just having a very deep set of conversations with my mom. And that put a lot into perspective for me, which now I'm at the point where I feel like I still need to talk to someone professionally but I still, like I said, I haven't gotten to that point, but that was enough at that time for me to get past at least having that constant weight of feeling that way every day, if that makes sense. Um, so I could say it's been what, it was what, five years of breaking points? But that's where I was. Anybody else want to? Joe? I think, um, I think mine definitely was multiple um, experiences. I think that I, um, of the first time around, as I mentioned earlier, it was definitely due to like an emotional um, connection I still had with somebody that I was dating at the time and it had carried over into college and it was just a lot going on it was a lot of um it yeah it was a lot a lot I was dealing with emotionally and I couldn't like focus on things and then I also like started to learn that I um I just have an emotional attachment to like a lot of people I have an emotional attachment to 
the ex at the time I had an emotional attachment to my mom. Like it was, so I was carrying on a lot of other people's emotions. I would take a lot of things that other people were experiencing and I would like experience them as if like I was the one who was going through it. And I think that was starting to take a toll on me. Um, and I just started becoming anxious a lot. I couldn't really focus on things. It just life in general just started to get like really overwhelming. And that was what sparked me to go the first time. The second time around, um, it was it really was the same issue, but I cannot remember exactly what sparked me to go back. But I did know it was the anxiety because I remember specifically going into my therapy session like, look, I have anxiety. I need you to tell me that I have anxiety because I know I have anxiety. Um, but he couldn't diagnose me because he was like a PhD student or something. So he was just like, no, I'm just here to listen. I'm like, great. Thanks, dude. Like, you're not really helping. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, it, it helped, but like, it didn't really get to the root of the issue. I'm like, dude, I still got problems. Um, and then obviously I've been out of therapy for a while. I was, um, you know, I moved here, had to like get my life together. Things were going like uphill, downhill, left hill and right hill. And I got to a point here where I was just like, you know, like I'm ready to heal. Like I'm ready to let go of things that I was holding on to. I'm ready to let go of baggage that I've been carrying for years. Like I just, I just wanted to be in like this healing process. Like I want to be better um, for myself. And I just feel like, you know, like I said, I was dealing with and holding on to a lot. So that was really what sparked me to get into my new therapist now because I was just like I'm sick of like randomly crying for no reason and not really knowing what I'm crying for and then in the moment I'm thinking about 50 million things that I could potentially be crying for just to rationalize the fact that I'm sitting here crying so that's my experience um yeah so <laughs> that was what Joe said I'm kind of at that point now that's kind of what prompted me to um look for a therapist like to start going back to therapy because i'm at a point in my life where i'm tired of feeling the way i'm feeling like i want to take take my life back i want to get my emotions back in check like i've been going through trauma ever since i could remember like family trauma relationships friendship like everything that you could think of i all i know is hurt pain trauma and um I tend to hold my emotions in and not talk to folks. And that's probably why I going through half the stuff that I'm going through because I, I hold it in instead of getting it out. And that's what my, I think that's what stemmed my breaking point to the point where I had to talk to somebody the first time. Um, but then, like I said, I stopped talking to her. I stopped taking the medications. Things weren't getting better. So now I'm at the point where like, yeah, Brandy, you need to get your life and get your life now. So, yeah. So, yeah. Like we said, listeners, it's getting heavy tonight, and it's only going to get heavier. Um, so next question, um, what in particular are you guys looking for when you looked for a therapist? I definitely want to start off because I've had, I don't know, but like, I don't know about y'all, but I've definitely had probably a lot of therapists. I've had different therapists throughout my time. I've been in therapy for like six and a half years now, actually. So um, I've had, I've had like six different th therapists and 
um, when I first started out, it was just kind of like anyone who would listen to me kind of would work. And then the more I started like talking to people, the more I realized like not every therapist is really equipped to handle the cultural nuances that come with like my life. Um, I was not born here. I'm an immigrant. So for me, somebody who could understand living in two different cultures at the same time and understanding like part of why I'm so anxious and traumatized is being in between cultures my whole life and having to like pick and choose and having to deal with like the disappointment from picking and choosing and being told I'm doing things wrong my whole life because I have to pick and choose um, was really important and, and a huge factor in how like I approached having the right therapist. And I think I only ever had one therapist that I really think got that and embraced that and like supported me through it. And I no longer am able to see her because of different reasons. And so one major thing I think kind of just like to think about when you think about who you should be talking to is recognizing like your background. Um, some I, I knew that like I could not talk to a white person. I talked to a white lady for a little bit and she really like turned it back around and tried to make me seem like my life growing up was really out of the norm when I knew it was like pretty normal for like a brown immigrant girl. Um, and, you know, kind of having my therapist understand that like, hey, even though my relationships with my parents are kind of kind of like not the best I can't just cut them out of my life just because they disrespect my boundaries like that's not a thing that I can do and so uh therapists of color really understood that and um that was really important that like I move away from from people who didn't understand that space of different cult like different cultural backgrounds and uh different approaches to how like our values are and so that was important and the other part being like I'm a woman and so like having a therapist who understands like what it means to be a woman especially a woman who is an immigrant um was really important because there's nuance there as well of like expectations from family and expectations put on you by society and just like what your place is and that's like all affecting my anxiety and all affecting you know, my depression and why I, why, why I'm even in this place in the first place. Mine is pretty much what she said. Um, I wanted my therapist to look like me and a woman as well. Um, wanted somebody who, who understood the black struggle, not saying that every, person of color goes through the struggle but y'all get what I'm trying to say y'all know the stigmas that surrounds us as African Americans so I wanted somebody who understands um the childhood trauma that I go through as an African American or um someone who's familiar with that with that type of background who would be able to you know talk me through it um give me advice to help me through it as well as being a woman at that um, also, I didn't want a young therapist. I kind of wanted an older therapist, an older lady, um, because I feel like they can also give me that motherly love, tough love, motherly love as well. 
um, someone who who's actually been through life, so she knows what she's talking about. Um, yeah, I feel like that would best fit me. Um, I've only talked to one person, um, and that was a doctor, like I said, who was in my denomination at the time. And this is the second lady that I'm talking to now. So I get we'll see what what go, what happens with her. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So at first, my main, well, actually, let me not say that because I had my first therapy session when I was 13 um, because I lost my dad when I was four years old. So growing up, my mom just would buy me stuff all the time in hopes that it would make me feel better. And then she realized like, okay, the stuff is not working. So my mom actually found my first therapist. She was a black woman. And um, we used to have my therapy sessions in a church. And to be quite honest, that therapist made me hate therapy. I was like, I can't say what I wanna say because we're in a church. Um, this is boring. <laughs> And so my therapist at that time, she was like, she, I remember her first time meeting me and my mom, she was like, you know, if you feel like you want to stay home and self-heal, that is perfectly fine. You know, I encourage that. So I would just have my mom text her all the time, like, yeah, she's going to stay home and reflect and blah, blah. I just, it was just not it. So in 2019 at 21, um, Honestly, the way I pick my therapist, the way I picked my current therapist is pretty funny because my mom went on psychology today, I believe, and uh, she scrolled through therapists in the area and she was like, okay, I think I know who you're going to like, but you pick and tell me who you like. And we ended up picking the same person. And um, I've been with my therapist since 2019. And I always tell her, like, if you, if you stop doing this, then I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't feel like any other therapist could understand me the way that my current therapist does. And we've built such a great relationship. Like, and I've been with her for a long time during the pandemic, her, the copay changed and it was so expensive, but I didn't care. I was like, listen, I'm going to pay what I need to pay so I can talk to somebody on a weekly basis. So, um, Honestly, the first the first go around, you know, just wanted somebody in the church because that's really where I was at the time. It just wasn't helpful. Um, and even when I look back on my therapist profile on psychology today, her picture just looks so inviting. Um, she also dealt with a lot of the um, she also specialized in a lot of the issues that I was having. So she was LGBT friendly. Um, Obviously, she was a woman, she was Black, and um, I felt like it just couldn't have been a more, you know, perfect match for me. Yeah, I think... I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what's it called? I kind of had this... I wouldn't... I'm not the same experience. I'm only on my first therapist, so I haven't had, you know, I haven't really tried other... I guess other therapists to see what it's like. I just remember when I was trying to find one, I was going through psychology today, like you mentioned, Symphony, and some other like apps that I found like on the app store or whatever, and just like kind of 
selecting boxes that I thought were that kind of represented me or like things that I was like, um, I don't know, either represent me or like maybe some inclusion of what is my identity and something that was to like see who they would filter out to find relatable. And I just, and after going through that and then like letting them kind of find the ones that matched my criteria and then just starting from there is what worked for me. But it's nice to know that like, there are tools out there to help you, you know, find what it is you're looking for in a therapist, as well as like, no, trusting your gut feeling like for to cream, who is like, I, this person's not gonna understand my struggle or like, you know, you wanted, or Brandy said she wanted, uh, what is it? A black woman because she knows that they're gonna understand her struggle and her identity and things like that are really important and not just settling because, you know, something shows up because you clicked a few boxes, but really testing out the waters I think is really important when finding someone you wanna talk to. I feel like finding a therapist is almost like dating at this point. You gotta like try yeah. a few like different ones <laughs> to find the right one, which which sucks. And I just like joked a little bit on the side with Norris and Janelle how like therapist breakups are probably a lot worse than real breakups because you lose such a like important person in your life who uh has supported you through so many things and you have to like recognize like, oh, like this might be the time to like say goodbye to a therapist. Um, especially if they no longer are supporting you in the same way. No, that is so true. I think, well, first of all, like therapist relationships are relationships. It's like, you know, it's just a different type of bond. Um, but just to answer the question real quick, I am on my third therapist. Um, the first therapist I had was a black man. The second therapist I had was a white man. Um, the therapist I have now is a black woman. Um, and both, both guys were very uncomfortable. Um, and the only reason, well, let me say this, the black man was uncomfortable specifically because I went in to talk about, um, like my relationship drama. And I just felt weird talking to another guy about my experiences with a guy, even though he was helpful and he did like kind of hear me out, but then he wanted to talk about my daddy issues. And I'm like, bro. So then I moved on to the white guy and I don't really remember much from that therapy session. So that kind of answers that question. Um, and then now I have this black woman and I honestly, I don't really remember how I found her. I think I found her because like I was looking up a therapist who can take my insurance and I think she was on there. Um, I think, and then like, or I found her on Facebook, but for some reason I followed her on Facebook. That's all I know. So I was like looking at her page and I'm like, okay, like this is a black woman. She seems like all about her boss type stuff. So I was like, okay, she seems legit. She took my insurance. So I'm like, that's a plus. And I met her and then like, turns out she was a Christian psychologist. And I never even knew that was a thing. Um, until actually I started going to school for it. And then they, the school was talking about like different types of therapists you can be and blah, blah, whatever. And they was like, oh, like you can apply Christianity to your therapy sessions. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I've never seen this, but I guess this exists. And then I met her and I'm like, wow, this is real. And honestly, like that was more, that to me was more of the reason why I connected her so much than the fact that she was a black woman. It was the fact that she was a God fearing Christian black woman that really helped me more because it's a completely different experience to incorporate the religious aspect to it, especially coming from me. Like I'm a preacher's kid. So like 
re- religion and Christianity is embedded in my entire life. So be, so to be able to freely talk about that from somebody who understands that is more beneficial for me than just having just a black woman or a white man or a black man or whatever. Okay. So being as I'm the only person in the room that hasn't been to a therapy session, I can discuss how you guys have all talked about how you knew or how you know or how you're figuring out how a therapist is right for you. They meet your needs. They meet you where you are. Like so far, everything I've heard has been like, I need somebody who can understand me. And as you guys mentioned, like, it's like, it's, it's building another relationship because it's like, you have to be able to give this person everything that's going on with you and trust that that person will take what you give to them and then be able to help you navigate what you're dealing with. So it, it, it's, it's a relationship. It's, it's not the, it's not, it's not a, it's not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not a, it's not a spouse, but it's a relationship just as much as any romantic situation, just as much as any friendship, you know? So I think everyone, everyone listening and everyone who is currently, who is in search of a therapist or who may not even have started searching yet, but might be thinking about therapy, keep in mind, look for somebody who can reach you where you are. Because if they can't reach you where you are, they're not going to be able to deal with whatever you have to deal with because you're not even going to feel comfortable to talk to them. Um, I'm sorry. Also on top of that, like half the time your therapist knows a lot more than your friends, your spouse, your parents, your all of that. So like that relationship is definitely going to be 10 times deeper than just like your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your parents or your friends or whatever, because they are going to hear some stuff that you really don't want to talk about with anybody. And also keep in mind, y'all, they're there to help you. So, yeah, it's going to be hard, but you got to trust these people because they are educated to help you. They went to school for it. Yeah, going to school isn't the end all be all, but like we go to like like we talked last episode with Julie, we go to the we go to the medical doctor for when we're sick and stuff. So we should go to the professional who was trained to do like we go to mechanics for our cars. We go we call the carpenter to fix a, a table or whatever. So go to the professional to help you with the thing that you need help with. I also love to just like add if you're struggling to find a therapist or you're like, I don't even know how to get into this. There are some great resources out there like on Instagram. There are like these great like Instagram pages specifically for like therapy. I think um, I follow one for like South Asian like therapists and they post these really great like memes of really important, like really like jokey things, but also like provide really great insight and therapy without you having to even be in their like net, like network or even just like see a therapist yet to get the advice you need. So there are resources out there to check out. And if you're like trying to figure it out, like they provide resources to find the right type of therapist for you in, in the wheelhouse of what you're looking for too. 
And yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good point because I was going to say like, even especially during this pandemic, uh, mental health professionals have been reaching out through like every platform. Like I've been scrolling TikTok and they'll have ads for like betterhelp.com and stuff like that. So at this point, like there, if, if you want a therapist, you can find one and, and we'll definitely be posting links and stuff in the description for you guys. If you need to find resources, we're going to get all that stuff together for you. But literally, if you want a therapist, you can find one these days. Psychology Today gives you a list of psychology, male, female, black, white, whatever. Whatever you're looking for is there. Um, they also do free consultations. So if you are, like they said, it's a dating pool. So if you are trying to figure out what therapist would be best for you, you can actually talk to a couple of therapists, email a couple of therapists, set up a free consultation. If you feel like you want to see them, you can talk insurances if you don't want to use your insurance or your copay. Also, if you have health insurance, you can call the number on the back of your insurance card to find different therapists. So the, it, it like it, it is a lot of resources out there. You can you can get the help. You just have to want it. You gotta update your profile since it's the dating pool. You gotta make sure we match. Swipe right on the therapist, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really want to note like something, Brenda. You just said like if you want it, and like I really just want to encourage folks like you should want to see a therapist. Um, and the reason is. That is a third party who is not involved in your life, who's like, your decisions don't affect them directly. Mm-hmm. And like, they're going to give you some really good insight into what's going on with what whatever is happening in your life without that like bias of, oh, if you do this thing, it's going to affect me. And so I'm going to try to like get you to do it or not get you to do it, like parents or friends or like family members or um spouses partners all those people like have an agenda this person's only agenda is to help you get better in that time frame that you talk to them mm-hmm. so it's really like just a great thing to have even if you're like not mentally ill <laughs> like <laughs> like even if you don't have mental health issues like it's just such a good person in your life to just have to talk to that is just not affected by the things you do in the same way and to add to that point that you just mentioned I think Julie mentioned this last week like you don't necessarily have to have a mental health issue to go to therapy like sometimes just about to say that yeah like sometimes it can just be preventative or sometimes you're just curious like some like just going to talk to somebody the same way you would talk to your friends go talk to this third party because it's so true like being able to talk to somebody who like whatever you say is not going to affect them it's not going to make them emotional it's not gonna it's not gonna cause drama or people spreading gossip about you like it's the one like unaffected person in your life that you can talk to and say all of the crazy off the wall stuff that is in your head and get it off your chest and be able to process it and deal with it. Even if you only go to one, you can gain so much just from one therapy session, but at least experiencing it, I think is, is great. Everybody at least to try just one time. 
And you don't have to worry about those folks talking bad about you, talking behind your back, telling your business, none of that, because that is a HIPAA violation. And they can get in some serious trouble about that. So if that's what you're worried about, because like me, I don't trust people. I don't trust many people to talk to many people like that. But with therapists, you can tell it all. I don't have to worry about anything unless you're putting your life in danger. Boom. So next question, y'all. Um, and I'm going to put these next two questions together, And actually. Um, one, did you get support for going to therapy from the people around you, whether it's your family, your friends, whatever? And two, was there anything that made you feel like you couldn't go get help sooner? Um, there's a stigma in the Black household that there is no such thing as depression. There is no such thing as anxiety, especially in a, a black Christian household. Um, my mama was supportive. She still is supportive. She supports me in everything I do. Um, but I was told by a specific family member that I don't need to talk to nobody but God. God is my doctor. God is my healer. Whatever. I mean, that is fine. That is true. But at the same time, God created these folks. God gave these folks degrees to help us in Speak in these now. areas so if that was the case he wouldn't have given these people the education to to help other people um i didn't get the support uh from that specific family member i'm still not getting that support because they don't believe in therapy they don't believe in therapists they all they believe that god is the only person you should be talking to and I also come from a household that where whatever happens in his house stays in his house. So that's where I met with that. But at, at, at this point in my life, I'm grown. I'm 27. I don't care. I want the help. I'm going to get the help. Yeah, I definitely am uh, with you on that. I actually um, didn't attempt to get the support. So meaning, obviously, as I stated, I... Um, went to therapy for the first time in college and this is probably the first time my mom is going to hear about that considering the fact that she watches or she listens to this podcast. Um, but that was because I was dealing with a lot and I honestly couldn't feel like I could have talked to anybody about what I was dealing with um, for a lot of different reasons. And I just felt like no one could really understand me. So it wasn't necessarily for me to like get answers. It was really just for me to be able to talk about what I was dealing with without judgment, without, you know, like Brandy said, the Bible being thrown at you or like, you know, just somebody to be able to just hear me out and like walk me through what I was experiencing. Um, and that is just what I needed at the time. And I knew that if I was to say something to somebody and they didn't support it, it would have been more of a hindrance to me than a, than a help because I probably would have stopped and not have gotten the help that I needed in that moment. So it definitely was a stepping stone. It wasn't like, it didn't get me to where I needed to be as in like, I didn't feel quote unquote fixed. Um, but those few sessions that I had back in college did kind of like push me um, more towards where I need to be now. Um, but I, I didn't talk about it because like, again, ther we, ne therapy was never even mentioned. So I think I just heard about the stigma 
um, in the Black community. So I just assumed um, that it applied to um, my household. But I definitely did hear the God is your healer. God is the one that's going to take you through. And he does, hands down, definitely. Um, but again, like Brandy said, like Julie said last week, like the same way we go to medical doctors when our ankle is broken, it's the same way we can go to these doctors to get our minds together. Like these professions exist for a reason. These people are given this gift and this talent for a reason. So why not utilize these services? Um and then when I told my mom that I'm in therapy now, it was kind of like a, I don't think she fully understood it, but I appreciate the episode we did have last week because she actually did, did admit that she's opening up her understanding to therapy and she was able to have a completely different perspective. So shout out to Julie for that last episode because that definitely did help in my family at least to open my mom up to understanding what therapy is like. Yeah, I want to preface this with a few things. One, to the point of like God being the, the go-to, God helps those who help themselves. And I think I really learned that over the years, especially when it comes to therapy. And so for me, um, and like, like Brindy said, like mental health is not a thing that exists and especially like an ethnic household that definitely is not a thing that exists. And as I mentioned like way earlier, it's absolutely seen as like a white man's thing because only they have time to like think about that. And so for me, my family was definitely not supportive. I only ever told my mom and she was just like so worried that I was like talking to somebody outside of her and my family that like, she was like, why do you need to do this? She, she was like, she wasn't trying to stop me, but she was also just like not understanding why I needed to like talk to someone who wasn't them and wasn't her. Cause it was like, mom, part of the reason why like I need this person is like you, like, I can't talk to you about you. You are just going to get hurt by it. And I don't want that. And then I'm super grateful because I would not have gone to therapy if it wasn't for Janelle. Honestly, like I believe in divine intervention and God putting the right people in my life when he needed to put them in my life. (laughs) And so like you were there and you were, you had gone through therapy and you had known that this was a resource. And like, you told me like, I should do it. And then I think I just like knew I needed to do it and then did it. And I'm super grateful because if you hadn't been there, if you hadn't already gone through what you had gone through in the terms of um, getting the support you needed from, like the college and and therapy like I don't think I would have ever even thought that that was an option for me and then I think slowly like just having a lot of really good friends stick around and be supportive and recognize that like mental health is really important was really key and the other thing I think to answer your question John about like why it might have taken so long I think is just like I never had agency until I went to college mm-hmm. I, I was like not allowed to do things until I had the ability like to be away from family every day to do it and like that has like good things and bad things of course um but the most important being like I had the ability to like think for myself for myself for once and not just think about my family all the time or my friends all the time but really think about like am I doing these things that are actually helping me or are they hurting me And so having that agency to say, hey, 
this is not helping me and it's really like for everyone else but me was really pivotal in me like seeking the help I needed. Absolutely. Who's next? Um, yeah, I'll, I can go next. I think, and Janelle and Takreem could attest to this, I'm not a very um, open person. Um, I feel like there's people in my life who want to support me, who've like always wanted to support me in therapy or in like just general betterment. And I, I've, I'm probably like a lot of people out there, like I refuse to open up. I am, I'm a closed book. I have walls. I don't talk to anybody about anything, whether that's family, friends, whoever. Um, so finding that support was really different for me because even though people want to support me, I wouldn't let them. And like, especially in mental health, like they want, they they would ask me questions. I would always, you know, beat around the bush or tell them like, no, I'm not talking about that. Um, so I feel like from my perspective, like I've always pushed people out. And so finding a therapist and like what took it so long is that because I'm so apprehensive about opening up and I feel that a lot of people kind of have those same kind of things. I don't want anybody to see what's wrong with me. Um, you know, what I'm going through. Because you're always, I feel like sometimes we're always projecting what we want people to see, even though it's not who we really are as a person. And so my family had no idea I was going through anything. My friends knew, but I wouldn't let them get too close about it. I wouldn't like, they would tell me go to therapy, you don't want to talk about it. And I would always just brush it off because I, I'm stubborn. I don't like talking about my problems. So it really was a long grind until I finally like said, you know what, I have to, I have to do this. I have to get into it. Um, and like, well, I don't even remember the year. It started what, 20, 2016? No, before that, 2014, 2013, the cream to know were like, go, like, like talk about your, and they would always try to make me talk and like, try to get me to go to therapy. And I'm just, I, I, I'll admit it now, like I've been stubborn, you know, in my family, I've come from Middle Eastern background and, you know, it's always just buck up, like, you know, man up, you're not supposed to have these things, like go, go do something else, go be productive. You're just being lazy, um, things like that. Like, it was like, maybe I am lazy. Maybe I am, you know, maybe I am unproductive. I'm not depressed. I'm just, you know, unproductive. I'm just, you know, <laughs> There's so many things that like happen in your day-to-day -day life that you don't realize is mental health issues. You just, you're just, your family has convinced you that it's something you can work through or something that is your own fault when really it's, it's, you need help. It's, it's a health issue. And so finally getting into there years later has been, you know, a blessing for me. And honestly, I, I think I want to really want to say like, you know, thank you to my friends who told me to actually go for years um they knew what they're talking about you know my family i they st i still don't you know talk to them about anything because you know it is family related a lot of my stuff but there's like you know they're they're glad i'm going and i've been telling my family recently too like you know it doesn't hurt to try it as well like you can't you know and having those boundaries you can't talk to me about your problems like i'm not you know i'm i'm either i'm like your kid i'm your you know like I'm your cousin, I'm whoever in your life, like you can't come to me with your problems. Cause that's like, I already talked about my problems, like about you with a therapist, like you can't add more to it. So it's honestly like 
giving that support. I'm just glad I can give that support back in different ways that I've received from my friends over the years. And it's, it, we're getting there and I'm just glad to be on the journey. That is so real. If I ain't never heard nothing more real than that, that is so real. Stop putting your problems on your family members. Go get help. Please. Especially not your kids. Because part of why so the generational traumas that we face because our parents did not have support or mental health support or anyone to talk to that wasn't their kids. Like, don't get me wrong. Y'all can have conversations with y'all kids, family members, or whatever. But when it comes to y'all emotional issues, your your marital problems, your uh, friendship problems, your dating problems, your, your, we don't need to hear all that. Don't talk to the person you got a problem with. And if you can't talk to the person you got a problem with, go to God. If you can't go to God, go find a therapist. Is that the way that's supposed to work? That's the trend, I guess, the, the chain of command. 100% it is. I'm either your family member or I'm your therapist. Pick one because you're not going to like it. Yeah. And like I said before, I'm about to get this degree. So this advice is no longer free. Lars. <laughs> I'm still coming to you, sis. And I will charge you. You'll get prayer. At a discounted rate, but I'm going to still charge you. Anyway, but, we're um, breaking generational trauma and generational curses. We yes, are. we are. Who told us we had to be that generation? I don't know, but here we are. Um, we got to do something because apparently millennials are like the worst things on planet Earth. So we're well a chosen something. people. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Um, I'm going to speak on, on the fact that um, and I think this goes into part of why I haven't yet seen a therapist. Um Joe, you said there wasn't necessarily like pressure from inside the house to see somebody, but um, for me, there was um, mostly because uh, I was always the kid who's like, okay, he's okay with everything. Like he's fine. Like ain't nothing wrong with him. He's always, you know, anything that happens in life, I was always okay. And Part of that was, I think that's just the way I was for a while, but also part of it was because that was the way I was, I felt like I had to keep being that because everybody kept saying that's who I was. Like, Jonathan's always okay with, like, like nothing ever bothers him. Like, things are bothering me. I'm just not talking about it. And I'm, I'm not okay, but I don't know how to express that I'm not okay. And it got to it got to a point with certain things where like I just I didn't know how I was feeling about things. I just know I wasn't feeling good. But if I express not feeling and then and then there were moments where I would express not feeling good, and it's like, why are you feeling that way? You don't have to feel like that. There's no reason for you to feel like that. So it was like, okay, so how I'm feeling is wrong then. And so it was it was it was a combination of being made to feel like I had to feel a certain way in order to be right, and I don't like being wrong. Um, and then there's the added pressure of 
you know, being the son in the household and being the older brother in the household. And it's like, okay, well, if you, if you don't handle things a certain way, then your sister's going to be all wrong. And, and you can't keep doing things to encourage your sister with foolishness and, and all types of stuff. Well, I was and, wrong regardless. So, but I like, get that you feel that. And, 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 and part of that was I, like the, there was the the pressure. Like at at some point in our lives, like we make our own decisions. Like she's not just following me because I'm her older brother. She's smart. She had got her own brain. But that was still there. And 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 then there was all the nonsense with school. And, and school was school was trauma for me, y'all. Like, you know, when when you I don't know how many of y'all have seen those TikToks about like the the gifted and talented kid that got burnt out. That was me. That still is me. Um, and I'm readjusting to life, I guess, post burnout, I guess you could say. Um, but having been that kid, it was like without being the smart kid in school, who am I? And I think that was a big part of my mental health journey is what's my identity now? And with all of that external and internal pressure, because I will say I put a lot of pressure on myself because, because of these external things and because of my own hangups, I drove myself crazy, I could say, um, until it got to the point of those things I talked about earlier. So I would say that the, the, one of the biggest things that has kept me from seeking help was just feeling like I didn't really have the right to. Like, people are dealing with so much more than I'm dealing with. So I don't need the help. Other people need the help. Like there are people out here who can't even get a meal today. I don't need help. I'm fine. Like I, I eat every day. I got a bed to sleep on. I got I got a roof over my head. I'm okay. Like I don't need that because other people have all of these other things going on with them. So I don't really need that help. But I had to understand and uh, and I'm speaking to everybody out there who feels like this now stop telling yourself that other people's problems are more than yours your problems are your problems and because you are not okay with them it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to want to seek help to be okay so that's that's me that's me, y'all. Super powerful, I, John. I really want to like share this bit because of what you, what you just shared about like being this like really good kid and um, having all these people remind you like people have it worse and like there people have like quote unquote real traumas. Mm -hmm. um, something that really has been impactful for me that I heard not too long ago was um, trauma isn't just the things that happened to you but it's the things that didn't happen to you that should have like being protected or being told that it's okay 
are being told that it's okay to like not be right all the time or to be made that to feel so safe. Good. So the things that like you felt were traumatic because you weren't being told the things that you needed to be told. Mm. Absolutely. And I do just want to say for me, I pretty much had support. Um, I will say from the beginning, it was more so from my mom, not because my dad didn't support me, but because he just really did not know what was going on. Um, so me and my mom were really close. So I would tell her, you know, a lot. And so she, you know, that's why she came to me. She's like, I think you should talk to someone. But, you know, once I told my dad, he was like, yeah, you know, if, if this situation is causing you to break down like this, then why not talk to someone because it's clear you you're not handling it the best on your own in a healthy way so I did have support from my family friends I don't think they necessarily understood the importance of therapy um but I just had I I couldn't convince them they have to figure that out on their own um but family absolutely my family was 100% supportive and even um, once I started going to therapy my parents started seeing a therapist so it was just really like a you know ripple effect in our household that's a good one that's good and that's another thing y'all just because you never know if you taking that step will lead somebody else in your life to take that step because like Joe Norris and Takreem, y'all have talked about basically y'all encouraging each other. And I think that's really important, like having some kind of support system to be like, hey, it's okay, man. Like, I'm here for you. And if this is the help that you need, go get it because I care about you and I want to see you do better. So be that if 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 you know somebody doesn't have that support system or you didn't get that support system, be that support system for somebody else. Because you never know. And definitely check on your friends that are people pleasers. Thanks. Then every peeps, uh, you everybody knows somebody who always says yes. And I promise you that person is nine out of ten going through it. If you if everyone has been in their life like that, you check on them, please. Check on your people pleasing friends. Check on check your on your strong, strong friends. friends. Check on your mom friends. Check on your therapist friends. <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Just check on all of them. And I think I we were something struck me as well when John was talking. Um I think growing up, we we learn to live for our parents that we forget to live for ourselves. Mm. And so, and this is just something that John was talking about it and I, Takreem was talking about it. I know it's come up several times, but like, I think when we try to please our family and try to please our friends and try to please everyone around us, you begin to realize you're not really living for who you are and for who you want to be. And your identity gets really rooted in everyone else. So then when it comes to who are you, when do you get autonomy, like where are your answers going to come from? Mm-hmm. I think those are the, like the important things to realize. Like, okay, maybe it's, I need to find out these things, and a therapist can definitely help you get there. That's so good. I think one of the hardest things I learned 
from therapy is that like my boundaries are gonna hurt a lot of people who like overstepped them when I was growing up and just even now Mm-hmm. And I've learned, like, I have to be firm in it. Otherwise, I'm going to lose myself for the sake of others. And it's only going to make all of the anxiety and depression just come crawling back in. And so whenever somebody, like, oversteps my boundary and I let them, like, I go back into that hole that I would be in when it first started to happen in my life. And what's crazy is I, I just uh, went to a graduation ceremony today and the keynote speaker talk to the to the graduating high schoolers and she was like your dreams are your own and there comes a time when you have to stop living for the people around you and live for you yeah it's important to you know to 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 have support of the people around you and it's important to you know obviously you don't want to be selfish but at the same time you still have to live for you because only you can live your life they can't live your life. Only you can live your life. So if you're not happy with the choices that you made because you're making them for somebody else, then you're going to run into trouble. So make sure that the choices you make, you make them for you and not just to make somebody else happy. Agreed. And like love and support should never be conditional. You should never have to feel that you have to do something because and like, for someone else just to have them be in your life and love you and care for you. And I guarantee like when you start putting those boundaries up, you'll realize who loves you conditionally and supports you conditionally. And the ones that do it unconditionally will adjust to your boundaries. So have boundaries folks and be firm in them because it's a good way to respect yourself in that space and take care of your mental health. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got a question. Well, two questions, depending on how y'all answer this first question. One, how are we feeling right now? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought I'd cry more. And so I'm really just like grateful that these conversations are um, not leading to an emotional space because typically it would. Um, but leading to a really great conversation with these really amazing people. Yeah, I agree. I feel great. Like, this is definitely a really good conversation. I'm happy that you guys are, like, open and, like, willing to share your experiences. And I really think that this is going to help a lot of people. This is low-key a therapy session. True. Everybody owe me five dollars. Hey, guys. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> Preach, Randy. Preach. I think this has been more inspiring than anything. So I'm glad I'm being able to take part in this conversation and seek everybody's perspectives. I love it, y'all. I love it. Um, so do we want to keep going? How are we feeling? Are we are we feeling up to a couple more questions? How are we feeling? Because I've only got like one or two left. Well, we made it this far, right? Fight as well. Yeah, it's only a few left. Let's go. All righty. Here we go. Um, ooh. This is a question about medication. Um, one, 
Have you ever tried to self-medicate? Self-medicate as in? However you define it. Yes. I indulge in alcohol and marijuana just to try to stop those thoughts and those feelings and try to, but it was only a temporary fix, so it didn't help. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a medical card for a while in Maryland, and I tried it as an alternative to traditional medication, and for me, it didn't do what I wanted it to do, I guess. Like, sometimes it'd be okay, and other times it'd be like, um, what's it called? Other times it just kind of, like, elevate the feeling, and so that didn't really work out well. It did, like, if I needed to sleep, that was one thing, but I'm now currently on medication prescribed from my doctor. Um, I am currently on Lexapro, which is a antidepressant slash general anxiety medication, and I also have a, another anxiety medication, but I'm only supposed to take that if I ever, like, have an anxiety attack or something. Um, personally, your doctor knows what they're doing. Um, your doctor, they, they studied it. They, you know, they know it's going to work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, it's always, it's always okay to go back to the drawing board and find something that does that in any type of form. Um, for me, I, you know, I like my medication that I'm on now. I feel generally better. Um, but I also know that like, to rely solely on medication is not enough. Um, it's it's if you're if you're just trying to hide your feelings away by doing something that you think is gonna forget like make you forget those feelings, like Brandy said, are temporary. Like you're gonna get temporary relief and you're not gonna be any better than you were before. So don't just rely on medication. You know, take a very whole self approach. That's, you know, medication, therapy, even your physical health has great effects on your mental health as well. Like really learn to take care of yourself in all aspects, emotional, mental, physical, and you'll see how you know, your mental health is going to skyrocket. Like you'll feel so much better in all different shapes. So for me, I drank a lot like it was just weird because I don't like to taste alcohol but I just didn't want to feel what I was feeling um and then of course you know I had to eat an edible you know at least if not you know one and when I woke up one definitely to help me sleep because my mind would just race all the time um I did try to you know smoke marijuana but smoking it reminded me of the person I was trying to forget so we had to 86 that idea and as far as prescribed medication so in the middle of the pandemic uh well was it really the middle uh in may of 2020 i'll say it like that my uh, therapist offered to put me on antidepressants and i was like mm, let's 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 come back to that idea um because it just it truly made my depression a little too real um you know the only people who really knew what I was dealing with uh, in its entirety was really my my parents and my best friend. But I felt like taking a medication was like, you know, I can't ignore it. So we, um, we put a hold on that idea. And my therapist kind of, you know, observed me and my mood throughout the summer of 2020. And um, 
she was able to see like, you know, maybe it's not necessary right now, but it's, you know, always an idea we can come back to. Um, I want to mention that I was placed on antidepressants, but they really didn't help me. If anything, it made my symptoms worse to the point where I was contemplating suicide. So I had to quit. I don't know if the I really don't know why I was having those thoughts, but it scared the living hell out of me, excuse my language. So I really stopped taking it. And I want to like get to the point where I can at least try to deal with my situations without having to uh, take medications, but I will revisit that option once I talk to my therapist to see. Yeah, when I first, when I first got medic, like medication for my anxiety and depression at the same time, um, like you, Brandy, that first like few doses I had was the worst I had ever felt. Um, and I was, I like was crying every single day and I was so, so depressed. I was like, why, why, like this should, this should be working. This should be helping me. And it's not, why is this not working? And I had to go back to my psychiatrist and I was like, you know, this medication you've given me has made me feel the worst I could ever feel my entire life. And like, you know, I had to really like sit down with them, talk through why that was happening. And then they changed my like dosage. They said, Hey, okay, let's try this. And the minute they changed my dosage, it was just like a complete 180 from what I was feeling. I was starting to feel so much better. I could have clear thoughts. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't as depressed. I was really able to like breathe for the first time in a really, really long time. And I like was on it for a long, like maybe eight, nine months. And then I stopped taking it. And typically when, you know, you go on medication, doctors say like, don't just like stop at, like you have to take it a few times to really like get the effect like of the medication before you can like come off of it. And when you come off of it, you should definitely consult a doctor. Um, I didn't, but at the, at that time I had felt better and it wasn't just, oh, I feel better because the medication's working. It was like, I've actually done a lot of work. So I was also in therapy like every week while being on this medication, like Norris said, like, it's not just like, oh, you know, do this one thing and it'll, it'll all be better. I was doing a lot of work around it and that I could come off of this medication and feel a lot better. Um, and even when I came off of it and was doing better, there were still times where I was like self-medicating in other ways. And like my drug of choice was people and I would like enter these really unhealthy attachments with people in my life that would not go well or I would like seek the company of people who were really not good for me and really affecting like my moods and my ability to like connect in a healthy way which is part of why I was in therapy in the first place was to have healthy connections and going into like figuring out what the right quote-unquote medication for me was ended up just being like regular therapy sessions and working through some of those things. Um, because the, the reason why like medication is suggested is because 
mental health stems from like chemical imbalance in your brain. When you have the wrong kind of chemicals in your brain and there's no way to fix it other than medication, that's like when doctors will typically suggest it. So that way you can have the right chemicals in the right places in your brain to allow you to do the work of like thinking through these things and going through therapy and being able to like have the right focus to work on it without needing that medication after a while for your brain to like have that right flow and have the right chemicals in the right places to get you in a place to be really stable. And I like, I am so grateful. Like I got to a place to have that and to just not need medication anymore. And I still go get it when I know that I might need it. Like during the pandemic, I kind of got back onto anxiety medication because of the global pandemic happening and so much anxiety from it that I was just like not able to breathe or think or have clear thoughts. And having that medication and not using it was really good to have, but to know that like I had it in case was really nice. Yeah, I, my, um, I've never experienced getting medication from a doctor for um, my mental health issues, probably because I've never officially been diagnosed. I've never gotten to that point to be diagnosed. Um, But I personally don't, um, I'd rather not be medicated. Um, I don't like medication for a lot of reasons, even for like physical ailments like I try to avoid medication as much as possible um if unless necessary um as outside of that like as far as like self-medicating um I'm really big on self-care so I try as much as possible to do like preventative things but of course like I've had experiences with like drinking I've had experience with smoking marijuana um only time I've been drunk was an accident and the cream was there for that. Um, and then the two times I've ever gotten high, those were also accidents. Um, but that's a whole other story. But outside of that, I wasn't really like indulging in these um, things. Uh, I think my form of self-medication honestly was self-harm. Um, I can't remember the first time I've ever done it, um, but it was happening at random points um, in my life. And mostly it was because um, it would, things would just get so overwhelming that I couldn't figure out how to, I, I was feeling pain, but I didn't understand mental pain. So I think for me, I was trying to create physical pain to understand the mental pain. Mm. And I think that was the only way for me to process it or understand it. And of course, like I can, I can blame things on, I was an accident prone first type of person. So like I was always hurting myself. So no one really ever questioned it. Um, but, you know, those were the things that I, I did to try to, like, understand, I guess, what I was going through. Um, and then after a while, when I started to realizing, when I started to realize what I was doing, I think that's when I really started, like, looking into self-care and finding alternatives and really trying to take care of myself as much as possible and not really do those things. Because, like I said, like, I'm not a big medication person, so I'm always trying to find, like, other natural ways to like heal and self-care was like one of them to heal my mental health so that's my experience um i guess i'm the last to go um yeah so again i haven't been diagnosed so i can't say i've had a doctor give me medication self-medication 
definitely was a thing in my life. Uh, to cream, I really like what you said about your drug of choice being people, because that's been my drug of choice for a very long time. Because um, at my core, I'm a people pleaser. And so it was, for me, it was, if I can make people feel good, then I feel good. And so whatever I could do to make somebody happy with my presence, that's how I would get my, I guess, get my fix, so to speak. Um, yeah, I also indulged in alcohol. Yeah, I also indulged in marijuana. Marijuana did not last very long for me because um, I had this really, really bad episode. And I remember a lot of crying and a lot of crying myself and a lot of crying on my mom's part. And after that, it was just like, nah, I can't do that anymore. Because one, I don't, I, I don't, I never liked disappointing my mom. And so seeing my mom like that, I was like, nope, can't do that again. Not touching the stuff no more. Um, but yeah. Um, and disclaimer to our listeners out there, self-medication is not the way to go. But it does happen. And it's okay if you're experiencing it. But do not allow these things to control you. That is when that that is probably the best indicator that you need to get help elsewhere when you when you catch yourself self-medicating. Find some help because that's that's the that's that's that that's that for me that was a tipping point realizing I was self-medicating. Um I think from what I'm hearing from everybody is that not everybody, but um, there's this, I think Symphony hit it really well on the head, which was getting antidepressants made it feel too real. And that one statement really resonated with me because it's like the first time I got put, the first time I got put on antidepressants, I, I started taking them and then I stopped because I was like, I don't want to feel like, um, like this is part of my life, like this is real. And I I cut the, like I cut take I cut them cold turkey like took them for like two weeks I remember the first two weeks were absolutely the worst um, and I think there is a stigma behind taking medication um, I just want to say there is nothing wrong with taking medicine that will help you in the long run because like Cream says it does help you balance out emotionally the chem emotionally and like the chemicals in your brain and all those things um and eventually you can come off of it but i know there's a lot of sometimes like distrust on medication and honestly know yourself and know your body you know yourself know your body better than anybody else can so really like leaning in and feeling what isn't isn't right for you if you have to push back and be like this isn't working this is you know i want to change this it's okay to do those things and finding your like your happy medium as well as really taking to account and i said this before but like taking to account not just your emotional health your mental health your physical health your spiritual health all those things are great medications to help you in the long run like mm -hmm. are you 
are you taking care of yourself emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually? Like, are you good? You know, those asking yourself those questions, are you being good? Are you, you know, caring about your body? Are you caring about your heart, your, your mind, all those things, those things will help you in the long run achieve a more health, a more healthy, just unified version, unified version of yourself. And it's so important to really incorporate all of those things in your journey with mental health. Yeah, man, that's, that's, I couldn't have said it any better. Like, it, we are complete people. Like, we have different aspects of ourselves that need to be healthy. So if some part of that isn't healthy, we're going to not feel okay. Like, a big a big thing, um, I think Takreem had brought it up a while back in the conversation, mentioning that her, you know, the mental and emotional things were getting to the point that they were physically manifesting. Psychosomatism is real, y'all. So a lot of times the things that are emotionally and mentally affecting us will affect our bodies physically. Like stress is a big one. Like take the time to get away from things because a lot of a lot of times especially people our age and younger we just we get overwhelmed with a lot of the things going on around us and in our lives and so we need to take the time to step away so that they don't drown us so don't drown y'all um okay last question before we close for the night what's the biggest piece of advice a therapist or anybody else in in your life that you feel you know has mentally helped you it's the biggest advice that that person has given you I think for me, the biggest thing that my therapist is constantly telling me is to give myself grace. I tend to be extremely hard on myself. Um, I tend to like, like, I tend to really overthink about things that I've said, things that I've done, like it replays in my head constantly. And I, I try not to dwell on what I should have or could have done because I always think like, well, if I was going to do it, I would have done it. Um, but it doesn't stop the intrusive thoughts of like how I could have handled the situation better. Um, and in turn, that causes me to like beat myself up a lot. So she just constantly keeps reminding me, have patience with myself, give myself grace. Like I'm not a perfect person. I'm not going to get it, always get it right the first time. Like there is room to grow and I just have to allow myself to do that. That is good. Who else? What we got? I mean, I have like a bunch of things I could share. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've had to learn is I have to be my own best friend first. So like the things that like um, I say to myself, I would never say to Janelle. And so I've had to learn to like be my own best friend first. So that way I can be kinder to myself. I can really like give myself that grace that Janelle mentioned, but also respect myself and my boundaries and uphold them when, when people are pushing them and when people are really kind of pushing my buttons and putting me back into the place that I don't want to be in anymore, that I don't like to be in anymore, that I 
worked six years in therapy to get away from. Mm -hmm. And that's been helpful and kind of centering me and grounding me and in, in, in supporting my own boundaries and respecting them for myself. So that way I'm creating the healthy attachments, not the unhealthy ones, but the ones that are good for me and the good for my long-term um, goals of, of being in happy, healthy relationships with all the ones I, all the people I love. And I've seen it make a difference in my relationships with my parents, with my friends, with, with other people. I've seen me honoring myself as my best friend and my boundaries as I would like my actual best friend um, really benefit me. And so I would definitely recommend that start treating yourself like your best friend and honor yourself in that same way. Um, my first, me and my first lady uh, had a talk and she, the piece of advice that she gave me that stuck with me was to focus on my circle of control. Um, don't worry about anything outside of my circle of control. Don't focus on anything that I that I can't control. Focus on everything that I can't control. Like myself, how I respond to people, my feelings, all of that. Um, so I've been working on that lately and it's been helping me. You talking about first lady Britt? Yes. Shout out to Sister Brittany Allman. We love you. Shout out First Lady Brittany Allman, y'all. She was here already. You seen her, you heard her. She gives good advice, I promise. So I think uh, the biggest piece of advice my therapist has given me was I'm either going to be stuck in the past or worried about what other people feel about my healing journey or I'm going to move forward and actually heal because you can't be constantly looking back, worrying about everything that happened in the past and heal at the same time. Just like driving a car, you know, I mean, you could drive looking backwards, but I don't think you're going to get that far. And I don't think it's uh, safe. So just she always encouraged me to just focus less on what other people feel about my journey and focus more on actually healing. So I don't continue the same cycles. Um, so. I wouldn't, I don't know if this is like advice, but it's something that she said to me and it kind of just stuck with me. I remember on my first therapy session, I was kind of explaining what I was going through. And I remember the first thing, the first thing she told me was, wow, you're pretty mean to yourself. And it was like, okay, yeah, I know I am, right? Like obvious, but the fact that somebody else can just listen to me talk and the first response they had back was like, you're mean, like you're just mean to yourself flat out. I was like, I don't know why, but it just hit me so different hearing someone else say it because here this whole time I'm thinking like, I'm just trying to push myself forward. But like, I think by doing so, I'm holding myself back because I'm not letting myself kind of be nice to myself and putting myself before, you know, first being your best friend, like Decream said. So just hearing something like sometimes the most simplest of words can really just resonate with you so like so much and just hearing it from somebody else really like puts things into perspective and then i guess like another advice outside of like um emotion but like a physical advice i guess would be like my therapist told me to start journaling 
Um, and I, I've journal, I, I journaled religiously, like, you know, every day when she told me to do that, I'm like down to like maybe three times a week or so. But she said, when you journal, like, don't just focus on the bad things, write the good things as well. And even if it's the most simplest of things, like I, you know, I, I don't know, got eight hours of sleep. I, you know, ate healthy. I like, the most mundane of things that can be considered good. And you'll realize as you do it more and more often that there are a lot of good things in your life. Like even the small things show goodness and you shouldn't discredit the fact that it's normal when it really is just something that you should be able to celebrate for yourself. Um, for me, um, and I don't even, and it just came to me how much that advice has helped me. And it wasn't even related to my mental health, but my mom for the longest time has always told me to take heed to myself. Um, and when she said it, she was talking more about like paying attention to the things that I do and how they affect the world around me. But really when you take heed to yourself you also pay you also start to pay attention to how you affect yourself and norris you touched on that when when you talked about you know being mean to yourself like the way like the way you criticize yourself and i think everybody touched on it like the way we criticize ourselves the way we attack ourselves for things that may not necessarily be in our control the the way we we you know, treat ourselves in relation to other people, the way we, you know, put ourselves on the back burner in order to please other people. Just taking heed to, even taking heed to just the way your day affected you. Like sitting back and being like, okay, I had a great day today or I had a horrible day today. And I should take stock of that because this stuff is going, like if I keep, if I don't pay attention, to how things affect me each and every day, it's probably gonna end up to a point where I end up just, you know, blowing up over the smallest thing because I never took stock of all of these things that were constantly piling onto me. Like I, I remember one day just laying in my bed like all day. And I remember uh I remember Joe walking in and being like, Are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. And she left and then she came back and then she was like, get out of bed. You're not okay. And this was, this was like when the pandemic like was first really big and we were like on lockdown and nobody was going anywhere. And, and it was just this feeling of like, I'm not doing anything, you know? So I'm just going to lay here and forget the world. And I think so it was, it was and, and for me, it was just like I hadn't been paying attention to how the pandemic was affecting me. So take the time to look at how each day affects you, just the little things, because it's 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 just it's all part of that total health experience. Definitely. Like, that's so true. I think if you sit and focus on the negatives all the time, you're never going to see the positives, you know? Mm -hmm. So really breaking down your day and like letting yourself 
allowing yourself to see the good that happens around you and eventually like it becomes what becomes like a forced like a forced behavior becomes a habit and you'll start to see more and more good in your life and just really continuously working on those kind of self-taught behaviors will help you you know going forward how to clear how to see things differently in your life and how to be good and how to see good and how it's all around you at all times sure so and yeah, yeah. i just want to like build on that because i think for me especially like I have a habit of only seeing the positive, but not for myself. And so in that, like, find the positive for yourself, not just in like everything else around you and, and other people, like that people please are me, right? Like when, if everyone else is happy, I should be happy. No, like I have to create that happiness for myself. I have to be positive for myself, say the nice things to myself even when it's really, really, really hard to say the nice thing to myself. Mm. Mm. That's a real one. When it when it gets hard to say the really nice thing to you, ooh, I'm gonna keep that one in mind. And like one last thing from me in terms of what a like professional told me was really like breathe. Cause like you forget how much breathing just like calms you down in a moment and gives you clarity. So taking literally like counting my breaths has saved me from doing some really dumb things or saying dumb things, but also just like saved me from like having panic attacks and jumping into a space that was really dark mm. when I just like, breathed and thought about breathing and only breathing all right so wrapping up y'all what would you recommend for others who are seeking help like i know we've we've touched on it here and there but like just like a last little this is one thing you can do just go get it like at the end of the day like it's your life and you're the one that has to live it you're the one that has to experience the things that you are experiencing and yeah i know it's hard with the stigmas and the not getting support and all those things but at the end of the day no one knows what you're going through but you and god so if you think that you need it, if you think that it's going to benefit you, if you think it's going to be good for you in the long run, take that step. Because at the end of the day, like you're, it's going to be more of a benefit than a harm to you. Like I mentioned earlier, like God helps those who help themselves. And honestly, like if you want change, in your life and you want positive change especially you have to be the one willing to do something to let the change happen and so being open to any form of help support people 
therapy, anything that can change your situation from what it is right now is a big, big step. So being open to helping yourself. Yeah. And I guess also if you have to justify your thoughts as normal, nine out of 10, they're probably not. <laughs> and that should like, don't force yourself to live with something because you're thinking it's normal. Go get it checked out, find somebody to talk to, you know, if you think it's normal, you should be able to talk about it with somebody and they can tell you if it's normal or not, you know, don't force yourself to, to you know, sit through it. If you have to think about it, if it's normal, if you have to justify if it's normal, it's not. Go talk to somebody, please. And don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until something traumatic happens for you to finally be like, oh, I want to go get help. Even if you aren't dealing with any mental illnesses or anything, it is always good to talk to somebody to decompress, to get to get the stress of whatever you're dealing with off of your shoulders. Just go talk to somebody. One more, sorry. Um, and this is for everybody, whether you're struggling with mental health or not, but really learn what your resources are around you. I think there's so many untapped tools that are already available that you can look into if you are curious or if you are feeling a kind of way. I know Janelle and Takreen both said they went to their school, uh, their school counselor, or therapist. That's always somebody you can talk to. Sometimes, like work is legally has to legally provide as well, you know, help if you need it. There is a lot of look online, but don't sit there and like by yourself just because you feel like you can deal with it. Definitely see what is around you. Check your resources. I think Symphony mentioned the back of your insurance card. Whatever's out there, like it's not going to hurt to look. You know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's like, you're human and you're going to go through so many things in life. And it's okay that you're not feeling okay. But you can do something about it at the end of the day. And that's where you should be at. Yeah, at the end of the day, y'all, just just don't let things hold you back from getting some help. Yeah, we 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 all have hang-ups about certain things because we're people and things have affected us in ways that even we don't understand sometimes about ourselves. But there's a reason why we don't live in a vacuum. We have people around us who can help us to get out of funks, to get out of these dark places, to get out of these holes. And like Cream said, to wrap it all up, it's okay to not be okay, because we're not always gonna be okay every day. So take that with you wherever you go. Um. We're coming to the part of the episode where it's getting near the end. So we got one last little segment. I know in there, I like blame. That can only mean 
Joe, it's all you. Okay, so we talked a lot. We asked a lot of questions, so I kind of didn't want to do that for the hotline thing. So um, today is all about breaking the stigma. So what we're going to do is we am going to read you some like true or false questions about mental health. This is basically just like things that people believe to be true about mental health that aren't necessarily true or things that they believe to be false that are actually true. So the way this is going to work is we got that little raised hand thing at the bottom of the screen. So if you think what I read is true, just click the raised hand and then I will tell you if you're right or not. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first one is everyone has mental health. Okay. Yep. Everybody says it's true. You're right. Your mental health can change day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, but everyone has mental health. Uh, question number two, everyone has a mental illness. Okay. That is false. A diagnosis of a mental health illness will come from a psychiatrist, psychologist, or your family doctor. So not everybody has a mental illness. Um, if someone in your family has a mental illness, you will also be diagnosed with a mental illness. True or false? Okay, no raised hands. I guess it is false. And that is true. Although some illnesses do have a genetic link, just because someone in your family has a mental illness does not mean that you will have one too. Everyone has their own genetic makeup and you are an individual. So don't go thinking that, oh, well, my daddy has depression, so I got depression. No, not true. Um, you can catch a mental illness for someone who has it because it's contagious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Not true. That is 100% uh, false. It is not contagious. And anybody who thinks so, I don't know why you think that. It's not the common cold, people. Um, if you are feeling sad one day, that means you are depressed. True or false? And you are all correct. That is false. If you are sad one day, you are having a poor mental health day and you can do things to cheer yourself up, like exercising, getting outside and doing something you love to do. One day of feeling sad does not mean you are depressed. Question number six, you have control over whether you are in a positive or negative mental health space. Okay. So that is actually true and false. So it says there are many things you can do to make yourself feel better when you're feeling out of sorts and a little blue. Exercise, nutrition, hydration, and doing something you love are some ways for you to boost your mental health for the day. However, if you have a mental illness like depression, sometimes your mental health space is out of your control. And if that's the case, all you can do is do your best to take care of yourself. Hey, question number seven. If you have a mental illness, you have it for life. True or false? Yep, that is false. So some mental health illnesses will need to be managed throughout your life, but some illnesses are treatable and you are able to conquer them. 
Let's see, question number eight. Having a mental illness means you are weak. Also false. So very false. If you have been diagnosed with a mental illness, we believe you are a warrior. You will need to learn how to manage and treat your illness, but having a mental illness does not mean you are weak at all. In fact, you are very, very strong. Question number nine. You should not talk about your mental health, Ill, mental illness, which we just sat here and talked about it. So obviously that is false. The more you talk about what you're going through and your experiences with mental health, the more educated others around you are. You do not have to talk about it if you don't want to. But if you want to let people know what you are going through, speak up and share your experiences. Question 10. Exercise can boost your mental health. Now, the real question is, do we all want to exercise? <laughs> not at all, but... Me, I do. It's just me. <laughs> I want to exercise. I just suck at it. Um, I'll go through a whole conversation with you about how exercise is legitimately all a mind game. It's all mental health. It's not even physical. Okay, we might need to uh, do a little course with Norris after this uh, episode. But the answer is true. Exercise releases a bunch of feel-good chemicals in our body that helps us fight against sad days or days when our mental health seems not so positive. Okay, question 11. <laughs> this is funny. Video games cause mental illness. True or false? And it is false. Video games do not cause mental illness, but too much screen time can have a negative impact on your mental health. So try to limit the amount of time you spend on your screens. Make sure you turn your screens off an hour before bedtime. All of those things. Yeah. I don't do that, but yeah. That, was, that wasn't in here. I just added that because I know that's a thing that people say. You're supposed to turn your screens off an hour before you go to bed. Um... Next question. If you if you see somebody having a hard day, you should leave them alone and give them space. Sometimes. Hard one. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a sometimes type of situation. You're right. But this one says false. The best thing you can do is ask how they are feeling and if they are okay. If they say they just need space, give them that space. But sometimes just having a friend check on them is all they need to help them feel a little bit better. So it's better to ask than to ignore the situation because you never know what somebody is dealing with. Um, people with mental illness live in a hospital. Obviously not. <laughs> well, in fact. Most people diagnosed with a mental diagnose, or I'm sorry, most people with a diagnosed mental illness do not live in a hospital. They live at home, go to school, play on sports teams, do all of the things that people without a mental illness do. They used to have to, though. That is true. Okay, number 14. What you eat does not affect how you feel. True or false? Who said, oh, Norris said it's true. It's, you clearly haven't had Taco Bell in a while, Norris. That was <laughs> It is false. Proper nutrition is incredibly important for mental health. If you eat well, you help get proper nutrients to your brain 
And that helps you get into positive state of mental health. So if I eat better, I'm happier. Yeah, that explains a lot about my life. Also, good tasting food makes you feel good. That's fact. Awesome. Ice cream cures a lot of uh, sadness. <laughs> True. Down here, we would say seafood boil. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Like, that's just, that's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can tell if someone has a mental illness. Sometimes. Fair. This is actually false. Mental illnesses are not visible illnesses. You cannot see them. In fact, many famous people have been diagnosed with mental illnesses, including Dwayne Johnson, Beyonce, Ryan Reynolds, and Adele. I did not know that. Makes sense, though. Right. Adele makes too much okay. sad music. That's <laughs> bro. That's so true. Okay. Um, kids don't have panic attacks. They just yell or cry to get what they want. That's false. Some kids be yelling and crying to get what they want, but they do have panic attacks. So that is, yeah, the answer is false. When someone experiences a panic attack, they have very little control over how their body responds and are unable to think clearly. In their mind, they are literally fighting for their life and cannot rationalize their behavior. That is very true. Um, number 18, sleep is important for mental health. Yeah, that's 100% true, y'all. So please get your sleep. Um, kids aged 7 to 12 need about 11 hours of sleep, and teens need 8 to 9 hours of sleep for brain development, rest, and positive mental health. So, yeah, how many of y'all are actually getting y'all 8 hours of sleep? Not us, it's Not tonight. Definitely not me tonight. Yeah, definitely not tonight, and yeah, we're, we're kind of at a late start. But, yeah, um, make sure y'all getting y'all 8 hours I don't even know if I'm going to get three. <laughs> well, if you have a mental illness, you will feel mad, sad, or worried all the time. Depends on your mental illness, because anxiety got me feeling all those. <laughs> <laughs> so it says false. It says people diagnosed with a mental illness may not have to battle their illness every day. Often, if they take care of their mental health, their mental health illness will not affect their day at all some days their illness takes over and no need to battle it but just like someone without a mental illness every day is different okay i'm gonna ask a couple more questions okay medication for mental illness is bad Yep, that is definitely false. Many mental illnesses require medication to help with recovery, just like you take ibuprofen for a cold or a flu. Medication prescribed by a doctor or psychiatrist can be used to help treat a mental illness. And the last question, you should reach out for help if you feel sad or worried. True. If you find yourself feeling sad or worried, you should always reach out to someone you trust. Whether you're just having one hard day or if, you're have, if you've had many hard days, your loved ones will want to know how you're feeling and will be able to help you. If you are unsure where to go for help, please just do your research, find somebody you trust, and 
seek out the best doctor for you. But that's it. That's all the questions I have. I just wanted to share those things. So I hope you guys learned something. And I hope we broke the stigma because a lot of people do think that these things are true when they are in fact false. So I hope somebody got a new perspective through us talking about those things. All right, everybody. Time is well spent. Um, thank you all for joining us tonight. And a special thank you to our guests. We appreciate your bravery and being able to open up and share your experiences. We hope that this, such, this discussion will help someone get the help that they need. And as always, remember to share this with a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend that we are here. Comment, like, do all the wonderful things that connect us with people. And don't forget to join us for our Afterburner on Friday at 8.45. Good night, everyone, at the Christian Call Center where Jesus is on the main line and we're online too. Good night. Good night.